If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, the Afghanistan hearing today went well. We'll talk about that. And these politicians, how they speak to us. All that's coming up now on I'm Right. Ugly things, right? Really, really ugly things. And I'm going to ask you something. And this actually might hurt a little as we walk through this together. What do you think about America's military? Now, I know you love it. Obviously, I love it. I know you love our veterans. That's not what I'm asking you. What do you think the status is of the American military? Are we number one in the world? One of the best fighting forces out there? Are we not that good? Are we perhaps an overblown, overrated fighting force? About to get uncomfortable. Look, we'll get to this testimony about Afghanistan from Mali and Austin and all this stuff today, but let's have a talk. Let's have a real talk. When did we win a war last? I mean, okay, the Gulf War? against Saddam Hussein that lasted three days? I mean, besides that, when's the last time we won a war? And don't get me wrong, I know we have the best equipment. I know we have the best boots on the ground, guys. I have no doubt about that. Our our tip of the spear guys, as good as it gets. Our regular infantry guys, as good as it gets. What if 
We have such bad leadership now in the American military that we couldn't even win a major war. I mean, look, if you get mad about that, I get it. Tell me where I'm wrong. Because by my count, after Afghanistan is now done, I mean, the Taliban won, Afghanistan's done. By my count, that's three or four, depending on what we count. Long wars we have lost in just the last 50, 60 years in this country. Where are the W's? Oh, I know about World War II. I, I get it. One of the great American achievements. Where are the W's? And speaking of World War II, maybe it's time to bring this up as I go into all this testimony from Millie and whatnot. I've told you this before on the show. I have a very, very, very inside source when it comes to the Navy. I have a bunch of sources from other branches too, but this particular source, we were talking about the Navy. And we were actually talking about World War II. And he said to me, Jesse, <clears throat> you can never use my name when you... When you give this informa information out, and I said, of course, always, right? You know what he said? He said, you know all those great admirals we had in the Navy in World War II? I said, oh, yeah, awesome, king, all of them. I know them. He said, not a single one of those guys could make it above LT in today's Navy. They'd run every single one of those guys out of the Navy. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe the problem is... We are a military of lions led by donkeys. Donkey number one, Mark Milley, spoke before the Senate today. It is clear, it is obvious, the war in Afghanistan did not end on the terms we wanted with the Taliban now in power in Kabul. You're right. Who are we blaming? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not going to let this go. You stuck us there for 20 years. 20 years. Trillions of dollars has been spent in the war on terror. Trillions with AT. We lost how many lives? How many maimed? Politicians and generals like Millie kept us there for 20 years. We left... The people we were supposedly fighting for 20 years now control the country. So let's not, let's not quibble about this here. They won. We lost, and they won. Whose fault is it? Because if we're going to do the same thing we always seem to do when we bumble our way through another foreign affair and, and just kind of sweep it all under the rug, then nothing's ever going to get better. Whose fault is it, Millie? You're the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. You got any, you got any say-so? You got any influence here? All right, we're going to move on here because there's lots of other stuff we have to talk about when it comes to this testimony today. Do you remember back in August when Joe Biden said this? Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame, all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told, your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Hmm. 
That's weird because Millie and McKenzie testified to this today. I recommended that we maintain 2,500 troops in Afghanistan. Um, yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout, that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated gated solution. It's a simple question, Secretary Austin. He said no senior military leader advised him to leave a small troop presence behind. Is that true or not? Did these officer and General Miller's recommendations get to the president personally? Their input was, uh, was received by the president and considered by the president, uh, for sure. Hmm. So, Mr. Producer, I need you to rewind our president of the United States... The Commander-in-Chief, I want to play this again, sitting down with George Stephanopoulos, and this is what he said. Your top military advisors warned against withdrawing on this timeline. They wanted you to keep about 2,500 troops. No, they didn't. It was split. That, that, that wasn't true. That wasn't true. They didn't tell you that they wanted troops to stay? No, not, at, not in terms of whether we were going to get out in a time frame all troops. They didn't argue against that. So no one, no one told, your military advisors did not tell you, no, we should just keep 2,500 troops. It's been a stable situation for the last several years. We can do that. We can continue to do that. No, no one said that to me that I can recall. Okay. Are, are we allowed to just speak frankly anymore? I mean, you know I'm going to anyway. Okay, so unless Millie and Austin and McKenzie, unless, unless they're all lying, which I guess we can't discount. Maybe they all got together and agreed on a lie. Unless they're all lying, Afghanistan is 100% Joe Biden's fault. The horrible fall, the Americans left behind, the 13 Americans incinerated outside of the airport in Kabul, all Joe Biden's fault. They went to him and said no, leave these guys here. No, we'll transition this way. Joe Biden and his group of political hacks around him said, nope, everyone leave now. And now 13 Americans are dead and we still have American hostages being held by the Taliban. And there doesn't look like a second person we can blame. Looks like it's all Joe Biden's fault. When was that unanimous recommendation sought and presented to the president? You're talking about the 31 August? Yes, the 31 August deadline so, for getting so out So on 25 August, I was asked to make an assessment and provide best military advice on... I'm sorry, my time is limited here. Okay. You just get, you gave me the answer that I needed here. August 25th? That's correct. Kabul fell on August 15th. That's correct. You were not asked before right. August 25th? 16th. On August 25th, I was asked to provide best military assessment as whether we should keep military forces past the 31st. Did you catch that? Ten days. Ten days after the thing fell, somebody finally gets around to asking the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, hey, should, should we keep some guys here? Ten days after. I just want to point out to you, I just want everyone to remember, Blinken, Biden, and Jen Psaki, while this was going on, while Kabul was falling, while people were dying, while we were losing control of a situation they were all on vacation. They packed up their bags in the middle of the biggest foreign policy disaster in the last half century, and they all went on vacation.
tried to get a hold of Jen Psaki. Ah, oh, sorry, I'm out of the office. I'll catch you after Hawaii. I don't know where she went, but wow. And Tom Cotton, to his credit, was bringing it today. And boy, this is a question I'd love the answer to. I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? Senator, as a senior military officer, um, resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. My statutory responsibility is to provide legal advice or best military advice to the president. And that's my legal requirement. That's what the law is. Um, the president doesn't have to agree with that advice. I'm not going to resign. There's no way. Uh, if the orders are illegal, we're in a different place. But if the orders are legal from civilian authority, I intend to carry them out. He's not going to resign. Nobody's going to resign. Not one person after a 20-year disaster that ends this way. Not one politician, not one military leader is going to step up and say, I feel like this is my fault. I feel like this is on me. I'm going to resign. I'm going to step away. And let's not forget, let's not forget Mark Milley is the same scumbag loser who called China while he was working under President Trump and told them he would give them a heads up before we attacked. Mark Milley should be giving that testimony from the brig right now. He should be. But he won't. And nothing will happen to happen to him. Oh, he'll retire eventually with a big fat general's pension. And of course, a spot probably half a million to a million dollars a year on a defense contracting board. Oh, Mark Milley will live the rest of his life eating steaks and caviar. Yeah, of course he will. And I want, you, I want you to also remember, remember when they told us Americans weren't left behind? Well, everyone who wanted out got out. Apparently not. But first, before I do, Secretary Austin, I, I have to take issue with something you just said. I know this is an administration talking point. I've heard it out of the, the mouth of the press secretary and others. We are not leaving Americans behind. That was your quote of just a minute ago. With all due respect, sir, you have left, past tense, Americans behind. I isn't it true that you left Americans behind on August the 31st? Uh, there are Americans, there were Americans that were still in, uh, in Afghanistan and still yes. are. We continue Correct. to work to try to get those Americans out. Yeah, that, that's a yes. Let's, let's not repeat, please, the, the frankly falsehood that we didn't leave Americans behind. How embarrassing is that for us as a nation? That was, that's always been our mantra. We never leave you behind. We will come get you. We are so rotted and corrupted and broken now, we just left them there. We just left them there. And these are our top generals, right? I mean, you saw all the stars on their shoulders and all the ribbons and medals, and these are our top guys. Surely these men know how many are there, right? Do all of you agree that uh, Secretary of State Blinken, when he made his analysis as to how many people would be here, but would still be there, he talked about the 10 to 15,000 citizens left behind and, uh, the, and then evacuated some 6,000. That would mean a minimum of 4,000 would, um, would still be there now. Would anyone disagree with that? By your silence, I assume yeah. you agree. 
I have no, uh, I don't, I personally don't believe that there are 4,000 American citizens uh, uh, still left in Afghanistan, but I cannot confirm or, or deny that, uh, Senator. Don't you hate how these people talk? All the little legal words and outs they build in. I personally can't, but I can't confirm or deny. Oh, shut up. You bunch of scumbag liars, all of you. And I guess I shouldn't have said, I guess I shouldn't have said nobody will be held accountable because there's one guy, he's getting sent to the brig. He's getting sent to the brig over Afghanistan. It's a big deal. He's Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. But, I mean, he's not getting sent to the brig over screwing up Afghanistan. He's getting sent to the brig over calling out leadership over Afghanistan. What I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. He went bye-bye. None of the rest of them did. We are in trouble as a military. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. You are not going to believe what the new governor of New York had to say. Whoo, boy, these people are scary. But first, flipping houses is really cool. Everyone knows it's cool. That's why they make so many TV shows about it. And it's something people want to get into, but they get intimidated by it because people don't know what they don't know. I, I don't know this. I don't know that. And I hear this from people all the time. Oh, Jesse, I'd love to get into it. How do I find information? One of the cooler concepts I've ever heard in my entire life is flippingmadeeasy.com. It is a one-stop shop for all the information you need. It doesn't matter that you've never flipped a house in your entire life. You want articles and things from experts? It's right there. You want flipping opportunities in your area? It's right there. You need vendors. Uh, Jesse, I need, a, I need a drywall guy. It's right there. It's all there on FlippingMadeEasy.com. When you go to FlippingMadeEasy.com and you become a platinum member and use the promo code JESSE, you get an extra special something too. FlippingMadeEasy.com. We'll be back. There are not legitimate religious exemptions because the leaders of all the organized religions have said there's no legitimate reason and we're going to win that in court in a matter of days. Wow. The new governor of New York, man, she possesses powers I had no idea about. Did you know about that? Did you know that she's already talked to God about it and 
she's in the clear and you're in the wrong. That definitely seems like a very healthy, not at all sociopathic way to view your position as governor of New York. These people are out of their minds. And in case you thought to yourself, oh, Jesse, that's got to be the worst soundbite ever. You would be wrong. That's not even the worst soundbite out of this particular person. Here is the same lady standing up in front of a church and, um, well... I'll let her speak for herself. I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I'm sorry? And there's more to it. She goes on to say God wants you to be vaccinated. And look, I don't care whether you're vaccinated or not. doesn't matter to me at all. I don't care about your personal health care decisions. I will give you a little piece of advice here that I think should probably help you the rest of your life. If you ever encounter an individual who wears a necklace saying vaccinated, you should promptly turn around and sprint in the other direction and make sure that person never really is in your presence at any point in time. Who are these nutballs? You're my apostles? What kind, what kind of megalomaniacs have we elected in this country? The way they speak to us. I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. The smart ones, huh? I had a conversation last night. One of my wife's friends. They're a married couple. A couple little kids. Their son under five, has had to go through cancer. Chemotherapy, the worst. I mean, the worst, right? What's worse than kids' cancer? He beat it. Thank you, Lord. Kid is alive to this day. Kid does not have an immune system that makes it so he can take a coronavirus vaccine. They are staring in the face of being forced to give this child a coronavirus vaccine. I don't care whether you're vaccinated or not. These vaccine mandates, these politicians, they're not wrong. They're evil. Remember that. We got a lot more show for you. Make sure you stay tuned for Kira Davis, our light in the mood. It's all really good, but first. You know if you own a home, your home title's online, right? It's, it's not a piece of paper sitting around somewhere. It's online. And there's this cybercrime out there that is crushing people called home title theft. They just log on. They log They find a way to hack in in the cloud. They get their hands on your home title. They'll forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it or several, and wipe you out. They'll get you evicted from your home. It's happening. You might already be a victim of this and you wouldn't even know it yet. You don't find out until two, three months after when you're getting eviction notices. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now. Put in your address. Find out if you're already a victim of this. While you're there, may I suggest you sign up so you never become a victim of it? HomeTitleLock.com. Go now. We'll be back. Well, Joe Biden looks to be in trouble, according to the polls, but I never know what to believe anymore. According to Rasmussen, found... 59% of likely uh, voters believe the radical left is using the pandemic as a Trojan horse 
for permanent socialism. But does that translate into anything? I don't know. Joining me now to tell me is Chris Talgo. He's the senior editor at the Heartland Institute. Okay, Chris, the polls don't look great for Joe Biden right now. What's that mean in the short term? What's that mean for the midterms? Does that get assigned to all Democrats? I think that, uh, you know, the the polls are definitely showing that the American people are uh, pretty uh, frustrated with uh, Joe Biden so far, eight, eight, nine months into his uh, presidency, you know, going from uh, the inflation bombs that he's dropping to the Afghanistan botched withdrawal. It looks like, you know, the American people are starting to see through the uh, sham that is the Biden presidency. And I think it's definitely going to have uh, ramifications for the midterms, definitely. What kind of ramifications are we expecting, Chris? Are we expect I, I, they're going to lose seats. That's just the norm when they have all the power. That, that, that party loses seats, be it Republican or Democrat. Is it going to be a bloodbath? Is it going to be the standard amount of seats? And why? What specifically are people upset about? So, you know, right now, I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Uh, I, I think this is very close to what happened in 2010, you know, with, uh, you know, when Obama had his first midterm and he uh, he called it a shellacking because right now I think the American people are seeing, OK, Joe Biden, you you uh, you ran as moderate, but you are not governing as moderate. You're governing as a far left radical. Your progressive base is actually, uh, you know, fueling all of this, all of these crazy uh, bills that you're putting out here that the American people do not want. So I think, you know, judging by the way things have gone so far, I think uh, November 2022 is going to be uh, very good for the right and uh, very bad for the left. Chris, you wrote a piece, you wrote an op-ed saying, why does, why does Biden's vaccine mandate not apply to welfare recipients and others? And I've got to ask, Chris, why doesn't it? So I think this is a, a, a very important question because Joe Biden uh, on September 9th announced that any any business with more than 100 employees will have to have a vaccine mandate. If they don't, then it can be 14,000 uh, per person per day. However, the vaccine mandate does not apply to all the uh, 60 million Americans who are on uh, any, any welfare program, does not apply to uh, Congress, does not apply to uh, USPS postal workers, does not apply to uh, illegal immigrants who are coming across the southern border by the thousands every single day. So it's a total double standard. It's getting worse. Uh, just, just yesterday, the uh, governor of New York announced that if you are a teacher in the state of New York, you will have to get uh, a vaccine. And if you don't, you will be ineligible for all state uh, welfare benefits. But that makes no sense because if you are on welfare as of now in New York and you refuse to get the vaccine, you still get your, uh, your welfare benefits. Okay. Okay. So, Chris, how am I supposed to interpret this as anything other than punishing your political enemies and rewarding your friends? Specifically, I mean, we don't talk about this enough, exempting the entire 600,000 person force of the United States Postal Service. Chris, that looks really, really bad to me. I think it's uh, Joe Biden throwing a bone to to the base of uh, his you know, constituency because Joe Biden and the Democrats, they need the uh, the Postal Service to be, you know, on their good side, especially when 
2022 rolls around and we're pretty sure that they're going to be using uh, the COVID-19 pandemic to try to do their mass mail-in ballots. So I think that they definitely made a carve out there because they knew that there were political implications. But I totally agree with your uh, earlier statement that this is this is a cudgel that they are using to try to uh, punish those who they who they deem not on board with uh, the Biden agenda. And it's hardworking Americans who should be who who, sh- who should have the carve out. Hardworking Americans, especially when you take into account natural uh, immunity and all the other factors that come into this. But it's just it's it's purely political. I can't make that point strong enough. I want to show you this little video, Chris, from Arizona State University. And I'll tell you, about the state of students these days, look, watch this. What did I do wrong? You have a bad... You're, you're offensive. Police lives matter? You have the same sticker. We're just trying to do school. What? You guys have the same sticker as the other... But this is our space. We've got a police lives matter sticker and we're getting kicked out. Can't do school. We're asking you to leave if you have any consideration for people of color and are marginalized. So clearly don't. Yeah, the whole rest of the campus, the whole, the second floor, the first floor, the whole MU, every single part of the campus centers you. This is the only space that you're not centered and you're still trying to center yourself, which is peak white cis male You are racist. Your sticker is racist because police, that's a job. You can choose to be a police. I I don't choose to be black. Okay? No, you can choose to be a cop. You can choose to kill people with a badge, and you're protecting that shit, which means that you're racist. What's wrong with students these days, Chris? Did you explain to me what level of mental illness you have to get to when you think like that? Where are these kids learning this garbage? Uh, I think that this has been happening on campuses for far too long. Uh, I'm a, I'm a uh, former public high school uh, social studies teacher, and I saw this even coming into the, uh, creeping into the classroom when I was teaching not that long ago. I think that uh, really what's going on here is, you know, you've got these college campuses that are, these just woke indoctrination factories. And another really interesting thing about that clip was that was not a multicultural center. That was the second floor of the student center. There was no multicultural uh, title to that center whatsoever. And the uh, star of that of that uh, clip, who we did not see, uh, she was actually a Ford Foundation fellow. So she has, she has you know, a political agenda I'd had. This was not a... Uh, a, a student, you know, who just organically went and and saw these students and and just you know saw wanted to start trouble. This this is a political operative who is uh, you know doing political operative activities at a uh, public university, which is shameful. Yeah, of course, Chris. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Your holster is really, really, really important. People don't think it is. People think of their holster as just, uh, it's a pouch. It's just a pocket for my gun. No, your holster must perform today, tomorrow, next year, five years from now. And that junky holster, that mass-produced holster you bought at the big box hunting store, it's going to fail. It's clipped on your belt. It's off your belt. It's clipped on your belt. It's off your belt. Sun, rain, it's cold. 
It's wearing it down. And if that holster fails at the worst time, it might cost you your life. Go get a custom-made holster from Northwest Retention Systems. Not only are they custom-made, they're custom-made right here in the United States of America. Northwest Retention Systems. Oh, and make sure you check out the designs. They have some of the coolest designs out there. My holster has the join or die flags on it from the American Revolution. It's good stuff. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE for 10% off. We'll be right back with Kira Davis. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything we spend. So they say it's not, you know, people, understandably, well, you know, it started off at $6 trillion, now it's $3.5 trillion, now it's going, is it going to be 2.9. Is it, it's going to be zero. Man. Talk about, talk about proving my sky is green theory day after day. Joining me now, the editor-at-large for Red State, Kira Davis, who wrote an awesome piece on this called The Great Pretenders. Kira, these people, look, I'm, I'm going to set aside the shamelessness of just telling lie after lie after lie, but are they bolder now than they've ever been before, or is it just me? You might say boldness. I would say desperation, because... Even we're noticing some of our counterparts, even in the liberal media, starting to go like, wait one second. <laughs> like, I'm all for <laughs> spending. I like spending. But like, even I, I'm not the smartest person in the world. But even I know that something that costs three point five trillion dollars has no hope of, of costing zero. <laughs> there's just there's never been a time in government when when something has cost zero. Uh, it doesn't even make sense if you just ponder it for five seconds. So they're, or even the liberals are, liberal media is going, wait a minute, um, we didn't mind when the president was making fun of Peter Ducey, but if he's kicking us out of the, the press briefings, that doesn't seem fair. Like, what is going on here? I think what is happening is that the policies, the, the policy reality that we're living here is so blatantly disastrous, is so blatantly chaos beyond anything that can be covered up. The only thing to do is to tell us not to believe our lying eyes. There's no other defense. Kira, before we actually get into your piece, and we're going to get into your piece here, is it working to some extent? I mean, they're doing it for a reason, right? I understand it's not going to work on Kira Davis. I understand it's not going to work on a portion of the society. But, I mean, let's just, not that I even want to toss stones at gross media outlets, but there are a lot of people out there who sit down at night and they watch CNN for the nightly news. Uh, when they read the paper, they're reading the Washington Post. Uh, that person is so misinformed, they live in a reality that is not even of this world. Well, and I think that those are the voters that they're trying to get with this blatant, you know, shift in reality that they're trying to push on us. And there's always the true believers. But I'm seeing so many, so many more people going, uh, yeah, well, but I can't ignore the reality that I'm living. It's hard to say, Jesse, I get it. I mean, I get what you're saying. You know, me and you, we're always going to take one side of this issue because we, we see the truth. Uh, but I think a big indicator is going to be 2022. And it's not looking good for Democrats so far, which I think is adding to the desperation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We know that what that guy, we know that the border patrol agent wasn't whipping that, that 
migrant, that that was the reins in motion in that split second of a picture that was taken. But, you know, the sentiment is still the same. But I mean, that doesn't matter either because they're the ones in control of the border. <laughs> like, it's not like you have someone else to blame for the border. They're the ones in, in control of the border. I just think that we're going to see a uh, we're going to see the fruition of this in 2022, or at least the beginnings of, of what this is actually doing. It's not polling well for Democrats. That's why they keep change, That's why they keep doing this. We've talked about this before, Jesse, about why Democrats all of a sudden switched their message from defund the police to Republicans want to defund the police. That's another don't believe your lion eyes thing. It's just like, uh, we see that this isn't polling well, it's not gonna get us anywhere for 2022. What do we do? We gotta blame Republicans. To a certain extent, it always works because the media is in the tank for them. But to another extent, it smells of desperation. And I always say, I do believe at the end of the day, American voters will have their say and have their way. So we'll see. Okay, you say it's not working. What specifically isn't working? Because I see the same poll numbers you do. His approval numbers are in free fall. They do look desperate, like you've pointed out. But what isn't working? I'm far, far right of the average voter. I get that, so I don't pretend to be the, the normal man. Okay, so the normal voter's looking at this, and they're not liking what they're seeing. What aren't they liking? I think what's not working is the messaging. Right. So but I, I'm almost thinking that what's not working is the messaging to the media. I'm not even necessarily talking about the average person, although I do think that that we underestimate the average voter. Um, and like I say, the American people will have their way when they go to the ballot box. But I think what we're seeing is the messaging not working. It's so chaotic. It's so up and down that, again, there are those true believers. But there are other people out there like the press, like the left wing press who that the other day when they filed a complaint with the White House for being kicked out of a press briefing when Boris Johnson was taking questions from his own media. Um, they filed that complaint because they were saying, hey, uh, I know you're saying we're the good guys and, and, and we're on your side of the fence, but that's not what we're seeing and how you're dealing with us. So I think it's the messaging that's not working, uh, at least not the way they want it to. And that's why we keep seeing this chaotic messaging, this up and down, this back and forth, this this flipping, they're, this flip-flopping. They're trying to find an angle that's going to carry. And I, I again, Jesse, we know there are the true believers out there. there. You could say anything and they're gonna believe it coming out of a Democrat mouth. But more Americans are looking at their lives, their daily life. You can tell me that homeless, this is not a problem in California, but I drive down the 101 every day and there's homeless encampment, encampments on the side of the street. Kira, I'm gonna play you this video of Jen Psaki because I have an opinion that everybody's gonna wanna punch their TV over in just a second. Watch Jen Psaki here. You, you touched on this, but uh, I'm wondering, you know, the El Paso Times has walked back their claim that border agents were using uh, whips to deter Haitian migrants. Um, this is kind of a, a controversy. Some people are weighing what is a whip versus what is a, a rain. Um, and the El Paso Times put out a clarification saying, clarification saying it was not an actual whip. Does that change anything for the administration in, in light of the, the statements that were made last week? I don't think anyone could look at those photos uh, and think that was appropriate action or behavior or something uh, that uh, should be accepted uh, within uh, our administration. There's an investigation that's ongoing. Uh, we'll let that play out, but our reaction to the photos has not changed. Yeah, what else Kira, is she going to say? I think. 
I, I think Jen Psaki's oh, outstanding at her job. Oh, we got it wrong. We 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 are right. You guys are right. We totally jumped the gun on this, and we 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 gave you the wrong impression. What else is she going to say? It's the same thing liberals have been saying since. Ugh, since all this meltdown, you know, every time a, a racist incident comes up and it gets revealed as a hoax, oh, well, it's it doesn't matter that it didn't really happen. The point is, is that it could have happened. I mean, how ballsy for Jen Psaki to say, oh, we don't accept this. This isn't appropriate. Well, gee, if only there were some way that you guys had to control the border, if only there were some sort of position of authority that you guys had that could that could help control what's happening at the border. Um, gee, if only we had a vice president who maybe had been appointed to oversee what was going on at the border. Uh, I love how she's trying to make it seem like they are completely separate from what's happening at the border. Like this is just happening independent of, of the Biden administration. It smells like desperation to me. Uh, Kira, I think Jen Psaki's awesome at her job. Yes. I, and I know people think I'm crazy because everyone oh. hates Jen Psaki. But what's she supposed to say? She, she's, she's got the most feckless president ever. He's not even a fully functional adult. All the policies are a disaster and America hates them. It's been scandal after scandal. And yet she sits up there and lies as good as anybody can lie. I know people don't like her. It's not like I'm a big fan. I think she's really good. I always say that. In fact, I've never really gotten on board with the criticism of, of press secretaries because they have a job, right? Like everybody's like, they're just liars and they're paid liars and we shouldn't respect that. That is the job. You're the spokesperson of the company that you work for. The company in this case is the executive branch. So it's your job to massage the truth. It's your job to to speak for the people in charge in a way that's going to uh, be uh, uh, appeasing to your audience. So yeah, she's just doing her job. I can only imagine what she thinks behind the scenes. I mean, what she's going like, I've got to sell this. You told me to say this yesterday. So I'm with mm -hmm. you, Jesse. I think she's very good at her job. And I think she's just doing her job. I've never quite understood the vitriol that we throw at any given press secretary. Kira, Gavin Newsom just signed a bill into law. Vote by mail for California. Enjoy it. It's here permanently. And I can't help but remember that when Joe Biden gave his tyrannical, unconstitutional vaccine mandate, the United States Postal Service and all 600,000 plus employees were exempted from this mandate. And Kira, you know, I try not to be a conspiracy theory guy. It almost seems like Democrats are uniquely invested in the mail. Why do you think that is? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, it could have something to do with the fact here in California, Jesse, that we don't even have chain of custody for our mail-in ballots. Oh. Anybody oh. that tells you uh, that, hey, this <clears throat> is this is great and you're just a conspiracy theorist if you question where the mail-in ballots go, I mean, please prove to me where the mail-in ballots go. I'm happy to have my assumptions proved wrong. But I mean, unless you can tell me who takes the mail out of the mailbox, like who, who takes the ballots out of the ballot box? Where does that guy go? What's his driving route? Does he drive right to the ballot collection place? Where is that place? Uh, does he take the freeway? Does he take the side streets? 
Does he have GPS on his car? Who does he give to give it to when he gives those ballots away? Who is that person? How are they vetted? Where have they come from during that day? Where do they go after they get the ballots? Do they walk right to the back room or do they go take a smoke break? You know, we there are there people aren't willing to drill down on the details because there's oh we're just supposed to blindly accept that the government has our best interests in mind. They don't. They never do. People in power have their best interests in mind. It's up to us to be vigilant. So yeah, of course, mail-in uh, mail ballots were a big reason why the governor won that recall by such a huge spread. Because when people got to the end of the recall, Jesse, we were very close. Suddenly the recall became national because certain pundits said, oh, if, you know, if Larry Elder's elected, he's going to elect a Republican to die by his Senate seat. Well, now a lot of uh, Democrats who weren't gonna come out and vote because they just didn't care, all of a sudden are going, oh, I don't wanna, I don't mind giving up one seat to the Republicans, but I'm not gonna give up two seats to the Republican. I can't do that. And what do they do? They don't have to get up and go to the, ba to the ballots on election day. Everybody's got a ballot sitting on their front stoop, right? You go, you pick up that ballot, you go, I've changed my mind, I am gonna vote, click, throw it in the mailbox, it's done. It's just so easy. And not to mention there there are huge, massive levels of fraud that we'll be looking at. It's no wonder Democrats want mail-in ballots because mail-in ballots can be so easily manip manipulated and that's not a conspiracy theory. That's what an intelligent person would conclude if you actually sat down to think for more than 10 seconds about what happens to your ballot when it leaves your hand. That is what an intelligent person would conclude. That's why I concluded it. Thank you, Kira Davis. I appreciate you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. All right. We have an app, the first TV app. You can watch the first live all day. You can watch your favorite shows, whatever those might be, all day long on demand. Go download the first TV app from the App Store right now. We'll be right back with Light in the Mood. I've always felt bad for delivery guys. Not because I think it's a particularly brutal job. I think it'd be kind of fun. Good exercise, get in the truck, get out of the truck, dropping off packages people want. Lord knows they're at my house enough. But the dog situation. The dog situation can can be pretty harrowing. That's not funny. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.